Father, take my words and speak with them. Take our minds and think with them. And take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. For Jesus' sake. Amen. We have before us today one of the most touching scenes in all of the New Testament. Jesus is sending out the twelve. And as he does so, he gives them parting instructions. Instructions that are gentle and caring and eminently practical. He says, don't go too far. You're not ready to take on the Gentiles and Samaritans yet. Keep the message brief. The kingdom of God is at hand and men should repent. Travel light. No extra baggage and don't carry a lot of extra cash. When you find a place, stay there. A person is known by the company he keeps. And then this last word. Jesus says, And when you fail, shake the dust of the place where you have failed off your feet and then go on. Now all these words of instruction can be useful to us. Uh, and worthy of our study. But the one that I wish to focus on now is this wise and wonderful word about failure. I would even call this word from Jesus the sacrament of failure. When we celebrate a person's entrance into the church, we do so with water. When we celebrate the promises of God's grace, of our Lord's death and resurrection, we do so with bread and wine. And here... Jesus gives us a sacrament of failure. He says, when you fail, shake the dust of that place off your feet and then go on. The church has fumbled with trying to define how many sacraments they are. They were finally determined to be seven at the Lantern Council of 1215. But before that, there were those who said there were ten or twelve or 40, you see those religious numbers playing. And one Spanish theologian even said there were 144 sacraments. He could get a sacrament of failure in there, and he did. Now, the first thing that the sacrament says to us is that Jesus frees us to fail. He says we're not to be tyrannized by perfectionistic ideas. He says not to win is not a sin. Have you ever seen a losing team and they come to think of themselves as born losers and they can't do anything right? When I was a junior in high school, uh, my high school football team was first in the state. Thank you for asking. But then my senior year, we were involved in a game and it was very clear that we weren't doing well. And we ended up losing that game to the last school, number eight in the city, by a score of 76 to 13. You see, we got in the notion of thinking ourselves as losers, and we couldn't do anything right. Now, people can become just like that losing team. Individuals can lose or fail in a number of circumstances, and they come to think of themselves as worthless, hopeless, of no value, born losers. And Jesus says to these people, you have been given skills and talents and gifts. Great abilities have been given you by my Father. 
Do not be tyrannized by your expectation in regard to these things. Everybody blows it once in a while. No one is a winner all the time. I expect you to fail, and I accept your failure when you fail, he says, not if you fail. Then shake the dust off your feet and go on. Whenever I think about this sacrament of failure, I think about Peter. You remember how at the Last Supper, Peter promised Jesus that he would never deny him. And then he says, Lord, even if these, these dolts over here, these other disciples, fail you, I'll never betray you. I'll never forsake you. And yet, within a few hours, he had done so three times. And Peter was so overwhelmed at his failure that the Scripture says he went out into the night and wept bitterly. But then remember how Jesus said to him on that occasion, Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. Now that was a word of acceptance and encouragement. And with that word, Jesus is turning Peter with his back to his failure and his face toward a bright new future. He's saying to Peter, you failed. So what else is new? Forward march. You see, failing to Jesus doesn't mean you are a failure, but rather that you've experienced a failure. It doesn't mean that you've accomplished nothing, but that you've learned something. I like that colic for young people in the prayer book. A line of it reads, Help them to take failure not as a measure of their worth, but as a chance for a new start. Christ is saying, not that you don't have it, but that you'll have to go by another way. Failing to Him does not mean that you are inferior, but simply that you're not perfect. Not that you have wasted your life, but you know how better to start again. Not that you should give up, but that you should try harder. Not that you will never make it, but that it will take a little longer. Not that you're a loser, but that you are a researcher in the laboratory of life, and one of your experiments has gone awry. Thinking of a young man who grew up in the West, he wanted to be a painter, and he did rather well for someone with no formal training, but he decided he needed to go to New York and study art. And he took with him a friend, and together they got a simple one-room cold water apartment flat. And it was very hard for them to earn enough money to keep body and soul together while they took their classes. One night his friend said to him, Look, you're a good-looking guy. Why don't you go and get one of these modeling agents or a drama school and pick up something along the dramatic line? You could do some bit parts modeling or with some money further your education. Oh, he said, I could never do that. I've never even been in a junior high play. Well, his friend said, that's all right. What difference does that make? You could only fail. And he thought about that. And yes, that was true. He could only fail. And that won't cost him anything. After all, my primary interest is in art, not acting. So I'll give it a try. So he went to the Institute of Dramatic Arts. And in his first class, he was given an assignment by his professor, act out some poem that you know. Well, he only knew one poem, The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. And so he started to act out the poem. No, the professor said, let yourself go. All you can do is fail. 
Now, that was the second time in this episode somebody had said that, and he recognized that it was true. So why not let loose? So he swooped around the room with his arms spread out, and he lunged at the audience, and he screamed the words, Nevermore! And he later said that it was the most magnificent, freeing experience he had ever known in his whole life. Such a thrill, in fact, that he put away his paints, and as far as I know, has never taken them up again. But his career in drama is known to us all. His name is Robert Redford. Now, what happened was this. He discovered that being free to fail gave him magnificent and new opportunities. Christ expected him to fail, and he accepts our failure. But what is more, secondly, he goes on to tell us how to deal with our failure. Bruce Thielman, a Presbyterian pastor, tells of a woman in his first parish. Her husband was a sophisticated research chemist. They were both in high society in Pittsburgh. But his wife, regardless of whatever sophistication she may have acquired, was a very calm person. And she was still a farm girl. She was a marvelously calm person. And once Bruce asked her how she was so cool and collected, she denied it, but Bruce pressed her. And then she came out with this sentence. She says, well, I guess it's just this, that when I shut the gate, I shut the gate. Now, what she meant by this was this. After going through some circumstance, win, lose, or draw, when it was over, she was done with it. She closed the gate on it. She did not carry it with her. And that's what Jesus tells us about failure. When you're in a failing situation, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Shut the gate. Now, most of us don't do that. We have a tendency to chew on our failures, to play them over and over in our heads. We masticate our mistakes. And by doing so, we insult our intelligence and we weigh ourselves down with negative and crippling thoughts. You know, if some matter comes before us and we work it out and come to a decision, that decision is almost always final. It does us no good to retry the case over and over again. But what we ought to do is just shut the gate on it. Back in 1926, the Congress of the United States authorized a great auction in Washington, D.C., They were going to auction off all those patent models which had been sent to Washington over the years. Many people had sent things that they wanted to patent. These things had ultimately not been successful. And so they were just abandoned in some warehouse. And as a result, the models had been left there. So they decided to auction them off. There were over 150,000 of these. People came from all over to laugh at the things. And some of them were pretty funny. There was an illuminated cat to scare away mice at night. There was a device that would both churn butter and rock your baby at the same time. And the most interesting one was, my wife wanted to buy this. At night when you went to sleep, a person could put one ear of the pipe in their mouth, the other ear in right up against her ear, so when they started to snore, it would wake them up first. Well, many people were amused by these patents. 
But the man who arranged and conducted this auction was a very sensitive man, and he recognized that behind these laughable items, there was a lot of hard work and a lot of hoping and dreaming. So he wrote a book about the experience, and he called it 150,000 Broken Dreams. Now, to me, what's most amazing about this book, however, is this. As you go through it, you discover that many of the people who came up with these laughable failures went on later to produce inventions of great significance to our entire society. In other words, they might have failed, but they failed forward. That's the secret. Now, that phrase, failed forward, is not original with me. It came from a man named Charles Kettering, who was the chief of research for General Motors for many years. He's the fellow who invented the self-starter, the Duco paint finish, high-octane gasoline. Many people consider him to be America's greatest inventor after Thomas Edison. He said that in the course of all of his research and experimentation, he had failed countless times, but he always tried to fail forward. He said, quote, I never surrendered leadership in my life to my failures. That's so rich, I'm going to read that again. I will never surrender leadership in my life to my failures. And that's the important thing to hold on to. And that's what Jesus says to us. Shake the dust off and then go on. Fail forward. Do you remember that scene in the book of Exodus when the children of Israel are escaping out of Egypt and the Egyptians are hot on their trail? The children of Israel are being led by a cloud of a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now there's one point at which the pillar that had been leading in front of them went from being in front of them to a position behind them. It stood between the pursued and the pursuers. Now six centuries later, when the Babylonians were escape when the Israelites were escaping the Babylonians and were fearful that the Babylonians would overtake them, just as the Egyptians almost did, one of God's prophets said, I, the Lord your God, will be your rear guard. Now, we often think about God going ahead of us, but I think we also need to think about Him coming behind us. That if we will close the gate, He will stand there and guard that gate, keeping the failures of yesterday from intruding in our lives today. You know, after I served my second church, I had a bishop who was very opposed to me. And he told lies to diocese after diocese, and I was unemployed because for nine months because of that. And it was very discouraging. But I found God wanted me to fail forward. I went ahead. My friends, it takes a lot of faith to begin something, but it also takes a lot of faith to end something. It takes a lot of faith to start a journey but it also takes faith to end a journey. It takes a lot of faith to begin a journey, but it takes faith to terminate it. It takes faith to open a gate, but it also takes faith to close it. We have a lot of celebrations about the beginning of things. We celebrate inaugurations and dedications, 
birthday anniversaries and wedding anniversaries. We even call graduation from school commencement, which means beginning. We need to celebrate things on how to close things. Because Jesus calls us here in this passage to recognize the importance, the effectiveness of closing things. He says, look, sometimes things are going to go wrong. Sometimes you're going to be locked in a no-win situation. Don't slink away like a dog with your tail between your legs. Face the thing. Cut with the thing. Slam the gate on the thing. I expect those failures. I accept those failures. But shake the dust off, fail forward, and march on. And I believe that I am very far within the mark when I say that if some of you here listening to my voice could only learn to trust God as your rear guard, as the one who can help you close the gate on your yesterday and to fail forward, if you could learn that, you would be able to start your tomorrows with a dynamism and a power and an enthusiasm and a joy that today you can hardly imagine. Recently read the list of names of people who have won the Nobel Peace Prize for literature across the years. And there are so many names I've never heard of. Um, people like Carducci, Laxmuth, Heidenstam, Speckler. But then I read a list of names of people who have been nominated for the Nobel Prize for Literature and who did not win. These are Nobel Prize losers. Losers. Leo Tolstoy, Henrik Ibsen, Joseph Conrad, Mark Twain, Bertolt Beck, Ernest Hemingway, Sigmund Freud, Somerset Maugham, the list goes on and on. These people failed, but they went on to write some of the finest pages in human literature. My friends, there is not a paragraph of your past which can finally stop you from writing some wonderful chapters in your future if only you will shut the gate and leave it shape to call and shake the dust off your feet and to call upon the God to come and serve as your rear guard. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.